Welcome, everybody. You're listening to People Say, a podcast where I unpack the challenges of launching a career in a creative field. Joining me on the first ever episode is James Stelfox, the legendary bass player of the British rock band Star Sailor. Since they formed in 2000, Star Sailor has had 10 top 40 hits in the UK singles charts. Their debut LP, Love Is Here, went platinum in the UK. To date, they have sold three and a half million records. They've opened for the likes of the Rolling Stones and the Killers and performed on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. James has also worked as a touring bassist for acts including Spiritualized and played bass on my debut album, People Say, which was produced by the legendary Danton Supple. Please welcome to the podcast the one and only Mr. James Stelfox. How's it going, man? man? I'm going great, man. Are you? I'm doing very well. Enjoying the nice weather in LA despite this little lockdown situation we've got going. Yeah, crazy times, man. Crazy. What's the situation like in the UK for you? Well, we're actually easing lockdown this weekend uh, that's coming up this Saturday. I think all bars, restaurants, hospitality reopens. So we're getting kind of back to some kind of normality uh, i think but we don't know if this second wave's gonna come or we're just kind of waiting to see what happens really yeah i hear you are you in manchester right now yeah just outside yeah yeah and to, to clarify you're from manchester originally right yeah i was born in, well born in warrington it's great in manchester so 10 15 minutes from manchester that's great yeah so i would love to if you don't mind to start from the beginning and tell me a little bit about your childhood you know, being yeah. born in, in Warrington, you know, was that a rough mm-hmm. place to grow up? Was it, what was that like for you? Warrington is kind of, um, it's, a, it's a working man's town, really, you know. It's a, it's a town, it's basically right in between Liverpool and Manchester. Where I live, it's like closer to the Manchester side. And that's why the intense rivalry is between the football teams of Manchester and Liverpool. If you're for Warrington, you're either one of them, supposed you see. But growing up, it was the high the primary school was lovely. You know, it was really a lovely, lovely time. And I've got great parents and a great family. But the secondary school I went to was a rough school. And you had to learn to uh, defend yourself or stay out the way, really. Which, uh, one, which one were you? Defend or stay out the way? Well, the first year, defend. And then after that, I got wise and stayed out the way. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get into any bad fights where you got your face bloodied up? Yeah, man. I used to get in quite a few fights when I was, when I was younger. It's kind of, it's kind of the norm. It's just what happened, really. So I learned to look after myself by doing karate and stuff like that, and oh, wow. taking martial arts lessons. But when there's three against one, sometimes it doesn't matter what you learn. Well, if I if I admit the first time I ever met you when you walked into the studio, I <laughs> saw you and I thought this guy is going to shank me in the face. And <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm, I'm peace and love, man. Definitely. But, <laughs> but now, but now that I know you and I know you're you're definitely a big teddy bear, I still think that you could shank someone in the face. And I'm just thankful that you're on my side. Oh, man. I'd never do that. Fucking hell. Um, no, I'm, 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 I'm as good as gold. I'm definitely chill, but my, my friends were the tough ones. I always hung out with a crowd who were tough. 
you know what I mean? So I'd make sure I, I knew the tough guys and they looked after me. So I was the, I was never the tough one ever. And was your household musical growing up? Did your parents play music? Um, they, they weren't musicians, but my, my dad was uh, and still is a huge uh, music fan. So I, I grew up with like Hendrix, a lot of Hendrix. My dad was kind of obsessed with Hendrix. That's what I called James, funnily enough. My mum would let, me, let him call me Jimmy. So the closest thing was James. So that's why I'm actually... And Led Zeppelin was huge and the band Free, Beatles, The Stones, and just I had a great kind of rock upbringing from my dad, really. Because your dad grew up, assumingly, with that generation of English music. Well, exactly, exactly, yeah. And he passed it on to me. And I still have them, a lot of them records in my collection. And I still draw them now and again, just, you know, put Led Zeppelin 4 on the other day, just and it still sounds great to me. So were you immediately, as a kid, drawn right to the bass? Or had you end up picking that instrument? Yeah, because I, because I was a bit hyper as a kid, to calm me down, my, my father would take me in his car to try and get me to calm down or get me to sleep and he always used to put me in the back and he put his music on and I and I always remember the band Free uh, Andy Fraser for not his dad he passed away unfortunately now but phenomenal bass player and I always remember he used to say to him what's that what's that and it, it just always stuck out to me and that was that was it I, and then I think it was about 11 10 or 11 and, and, and my dad just bought me a bass because I kept going on about this, this sound and was that was that a nice bass Looking back, or is that a piece of crap that you just like were lucky to learn on? Oh, no, man, it's like a 40, well, a $40 base, you know what I mean? But it was my base, you know, so I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it at the time. But to play, is looking back, it was probably hawker crap, you know what I mean? A, a hawker. I like yeah. that term. You know, the English word <laughs> is always still weird for me. People say weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I have to yeah. think, no, it's all good. I have to think like twice about, okay, hawker, I must mean like pawn shop. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and were other, you know, when you were growing up, were all of your friends, were they musicians too? Were they drawn to it like you or you were kind of an odd man out in that scenario? Um, I think what, what when I went to secondary school, to kind of avoid getting into trouble and hanging around with the bad people, bad crowds really, I befriended a few people. One's the drummer in Star Sailor. But I knew him when we were, we, we went to primary school together, but I was a year older than him. And so when we got to secondary school, uh, like high school, we started to form a connection because he was a drums. Was, um, so we just go into the music room and I would be playing with Ben since I was probably 11 or 12. Wow. So Just you two as a rhythm section. Yeah, me and him. And then but there was a few other guys who played and a couple of guys in my year who played a little bit as well. So then we kind of formed a little band. We never gigged. I think we might have played at the school hall <laughs> twice or something like that. What was the name of that band? Oh, God. Innocent Tears. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Innocent tears, I like it. We thought we were the greatest band in in the world when we were 13, 14. We really weren't. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were playing at 13 and 14, you thought you were the greatest band in the world. Were you thinking, we are going to be fucking rock stars? This is it. I I always, my plan was, because I remember going to see the, 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 I don't know if you have this in America, like a a career, career advisor. You have that? Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, some version of that for sure. So, so basically the career advisor came around and he said, listen, what do you want to do? I said, I want to go to, uh, I want to be a musician and get in a band and uh, go to music college and make it in rock and roll. He goes, right, okay, but seriously, head for the army. I think you'd be good in the army. That's what he said. I was like, the army? I was like, no chance am I going to the army. I did not fancy it. A few of my friends eventually went, but I was just like, nah, man. And I was always just fixed on, even when I was in class, I was just fixed on, notes and combining notes together i didn't really know what that much about it at the time but i was kind of my obsession with music was well underway and that's the only thing i could see myself doing and, and 
for sure, I was not going to the army. Well, I definitely understand that. Uh, do you feel like a lot of people around you, aside from this guy I just mentioned, that a lot of people think it was strange or like foolish to want to venture onto a musical path? I, well, a lot of the friends, as as I left school, they kind of just got jobs straight away. Not, not a lot of them went to college or <clears throat> secondary school. So when you're young, when you're 16, 17, if you've got 150 pounds or say what, $200 in your pocket at the end of the week, that's great because, you, you know, in, in England, the culture is Friday, Saturday night, you go to the pub, you spend your money. And as a musician, I didn't have any of that money. So they were like, get a job, man, get a job. I was just, you should be getting a job. I was like, I'm just, no, I'm going to stick with this. And, and at that point, we, was, we were good enough to get gigs. So my weekend started to be filled with gigs. Wow, so you seem like you were pretty undeterred. You did not care about what anyone yeah, I'm, I, thought. I'm always, I'm always quite focused when it, well, I really want to do something, but really kind of can channel into it really well. Interesting. So is there, when you were growing up, was there a particular bass player? I know you mentioned the bassist of Free, but was there, is there yeah. a hero you had that you were like, this guy is what I want to be? The first one is the guy, Andy Fraser from Free. He, he was, I, I still listen to uh, Free. His tone, I was just like, wow, I could never get that because I used to have this uh, really bad, old, uh, like I said, crappy bass. And he used to get this tone, I could never figure it out. And so was, that always amazed me, his tone and, and then obviously I went on to people like uh, Jaco Pistorius, the famous, probably the greatest innovator of the electric bass ever, I think. And and then other people were like James Jameson, the Motown guy. He came a little bit later for me. And Paul McCartney was big on me uh, when I went through a big Beatles phase. Uh, the, the Chili Peppers bass player, he was... Uh, he was big for me as well when I was when I was 16, 17 and everyone was learning to slap and pop and stuff and he was kind of the easy kind of guy to learn kind of thing. Well, were you influenced a lot? Because when you were growing up, you know, when I think of English rock bands yeah. of like the early 90s, which must have been, you know, somewhere around your teenage years or childhood, like were you yeah. influenced tons by the Manchester bands, you know, Oasis, the Stone Roses? You know, this will sound strange, but all my friends, and I, I mean every single male friend and female friends that I had, were obs the, the, the Oasis and Blur and Happy Mondays, you know, uh, Stone Roses, who, who they kind of finished quite early. But that influence in this area, in, in Manchester and the Northwest, it was absolutely inescapable. You know, it was everywhere. In every household had them records and, you know, the, the style of people, the fashion were wearing. But I, I at that point, wasn't paying any attention to that because it didn't interest me. What didn't I interest was, you about it? The, just the... I don't know what it was. I think it was the because I was getting into music. I was be, being a bit more of a musical at that point, so I'd be listening to more complicated things. I think I'd be listening to like Sly and the Family Stone, trying to work out if you want me to stay, or I'd be listening to even like the Soundgarden, like a couple of Soundgarden records uh, and the Pearl Jam stuff. I'd be listening to that completely over the English stuff at that point. So it sounds like you were pretty singularly focused on music this whole time. Everybody around yeah. you was distracted, even with music of the day coming out of Manchester. Uh, obviously, for yeah. me, you know, those those are those bands are, are heroes of mine personally. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, I I've grown to really like I, I like what they did, you know. But at the time, I was just somewhere else. That, that was all. No, but it's what well, it sounds like um, you always wanted to be a musician, like from the start, and you actually never really yeah. considered doing anything else. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you look back. Does that seem like a crazy thing? 
Like, are you like, I can't even believe that I did this? Or are you like, no, of course, this makes sense? Well, I think, I think what happened was because I was in a few bands all the way through. I was in a, I was in a punk band from like Bolton, which was a really kind of rough and ready. As you can imagine, on a Friday night in Bolton, it, things could get weird. You know, especially in a playing a little punk band. I was like 17 and the guys they like, they could get, they could get physical. They could get physical <laughs> in the crowd. <clears throat> yeah, and, and sometimes you're walking out thinking, right, I've got to get out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I played in that many bands, and then, but when I met James, the Star Sailor singer, uh, that was, I, I kind of knew, cause I saw him sing, heard him sing, first of all. I was just like, wow. And then I thought, who, who is this? And, seen, and they went to see this guy who was singing in a rehearsal room in the music college I went to. And it was this kid who looked like a million dollars. I was just like, James looked like a million dollars. He looked f- phenomenal. Yeah. He did. I thought, man, this guy is like, he looks he looks amazing and his voice I was just like I'd never heard live and I'd been in bands with loads of singers but I'd never heard a singer that good I was just so I introduced myself to him I was just like whoa man I said what's you know because he was only 16 I think he was 16 I think I was like 19 or something and I was like what's and he was so shy but when he sang he was just like he didn't need the mic he was that loud but when he was talking to him he was like painfully shy so I just got into him and just got to know him we kind of developed a lifelong friendship now over Love of like, he was just listening to like Jeff Buckley. I was listening to kind of Nick Drake. And then we'd really bought on Neil Young, came into the, the Beatles and we talked about everything and you so obsess over like uh, the certain albums and, you know, and that's, that's what grew our friendship to what it is. And even still very strong today. You know, it's interesting you mentioned that because fortunately the last time I was in the UK, I actually wrote a song with James. And I remember thinking, sitting in the room with him, he was like, oh, yeah. I have this idea for a chorus. And he starts singing it. And I was like, wow. Yeah, his voice Your is. voice is un- unreal. And actually, I thought, you know, unadultered, in the room, no reverb, no microphone, just him singing was like yeah. almost even better than the records because it-, it Yeah, it, yeah. I get what you mean. Yeah, I do get what you mean. Because to see him in the flesh, it's, it's, it's still, it, because I've, I must have, I don't know how many shows we've played together at Star 7 now, but probably, I, can't, I wouldn't put a number on it, but even now he doesn't sing a wrong note, you know, and his voice, he doesn't, it's maybe cracked once or, uh, once or twice when, if we've done a, 10 shows in a row or something, his, his voice is tired, but apart from that, I've never known anyone to be that strong as a singer. Yeah, he, It's he, phenomenal, he, he, blows, he blows me away, man, even now, 25 years on or whatever it is, you know, it really does. Yeah, he's impressive. What what music college did you guys go to? We went to, uh, it's again in the Northwest, it was called Wigan and Lee Music College, and uh, that's where I met James and that, that's where I met Barry. But m- myself and Ben, we'd been to, through school together, we went there kind of together and then met the other two. So Ben's like your best friend from growing up. Yeah, we, I, I, yeah me and Ben, have, yeah, I was his best man and stuff like that. I was godfather to his children and vice wow, versa. That's pretty crazy, man. Thinking about my best friend and being in a band with him, like, and having been in a band before, you know, I was a solo artist. Bands are such yeah. a tricky business. Like, it, I, it's, it's almost a, a really big risk on the friendship to, to be in a band because it just can go any way. Yeah, we, we, we've definitely, you know, because we've been together that long. And I, I've probably spent more time with Ben than any other person in this world, I think. Even my wife and my kids, you know. It just that we've got a special, and we still, I still, I spoke to him today. We call each other every day. So he's your best friend still? Yeah, and we, well, I mean, sometimes we argue about football, but properly argue where he hangs up and slams the phone down. Or <laughs> I, say, I say, I'm going to come around, I'm going to punch your face in. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, but then the next, you know, we'll, we'll, 
I feel guilty or he'll feel guilty and we'll be speaking an hour after. It's, it's that's, yeah, best friends, definitely. That's awesome. And yeah. so when you went to the music college, right? Yeah. Your, what were your, you know, your parents, are they supporting you? They're like, go for it, man. Or are they giving you some good? Yeah. When, we, when I was getting educational, when I was uh, getting the education, so I'd come out with results, <clears throat> my mom and dad were like, yeah, you're at college. It's better than being on the dole. Uh, the, I don't know what you call that in America, the uh, benefits. So it's better than... Because a lot of my friends came out of school with nothing and just went on straight on to benefits, man, at 16, 17, or they got themselves a really a little crappy job. So I think my mum and dad were just pleased that I was in college. So they did support me definitely uh, through college. Not, you know, but as soon as I left college, they were like, on my back about you need to get a job and blah, blah, blah. So oh, like, was there a, a time difference between leaving college and Star Sailor having some pretty good success? Well, I'd, I'd probably say, let me just think about this. Uh, I'd probably say, I think we left college and then it was probably three years after we left college, I think. There was, a, there was definitely a period where we, there's myself, James the singer and the drummer, but we used to have like two guitar players and James wouldn't play guitar, just sing. And then eventually James wanted to sing and play guitar. So we got rid of the guitar players and then we didn't get Barry until about a year and a half before we signed. So that was the turning point when we got Barry in the keyboard play. He kind of turned the song around from being like Britpop, Oasis in Blur type, uh, Blue Tones-esque, Stone Roses-esque, to more of a more of a, what we are now or what we were back then. So in that period, mm. you know, now you you must have been like, you know, 22 somewhere around were, yeah. were there other people around you in your community or others judging that you're like oh well this guy what this guy's wasted his time being a musician I'm, I'm sure a lot of my relatives like probably thinking oh he's a bum you know he's just oh he plays he plays bass what's what's that you know what I mean uh, I, I'm sure I, I didn't really because I'm so focused I didn't really care what people thought anyway but you know there's definitely times when but even my mum used to say to me like you've got to get you know this isn't working get a job but my dad was always like, listen, just carry on, man. Just do what you're doing. And, you know, I listen to my dad, not my mum. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know if you identify with this, but something that has always been challenging for me is that I yeah. feel like actually the worst kind of judgment is the silent judgment. So m- <laughs> most people are not outwardly like, hey, dude, you're a bum. I think most people silently yeah. are passing a judgment like, you know, how old are you and you don't have a regular job and you don't have a, you know, a, you know, a biweekly paycheck? Like, what are you thinking? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, I had to get a job in the end uh, oh, because did? I had to, yeah, because it, uh, it was where my dad works, actually. And uh, I got fired. What does your dad do? He, he works at this big company called uh, British Nuclear Fuels. And he, he was uh, he was like an electrician on the site in there. So he got me a job in the office. Uh, and I just, I just like, yeah, this ain't going to work. <laughs> and then, and then, I, and then I was saying to my dad, "I hate it. You know, I'm not doing it." And then we kind of the band started to make a little bit of noise in the northwest. You know, a few people turn up to shows and stuff, and we're like, "I just said, I've just got to ride this out. This next six months, I've just got to ride it out, and we're going to be okay." And we were. Wow, is that? Do you think you just you had a gut feeling and you just went with it? That's pretty ballsy, no? Yeah, I think uh, there's one period where we were we because what we used to do, we used to re- we used to rehearse every night, so we finished work or. And, and James had a little job as well, and Ben was working, and, and Barry was working as well. He was teaching at, he, he was a funeral parlor. He used to play organs at, at funerals. So, <laughs> so, so that's, so yeah, he's, he's, he's always been weird. <clears throat> but, uh, so yeah, so, and then, 
So we but we get we'd be getting together four or five nights a week in a lockup in the little rehearsal room that we had. We used to live there basically. We sleep there sometimes, you know. I just get up and go to work the next day, whatever. But we, there was a period. There was a period where I, we wrote these songs, and I just, I just, it was like a, I can remember it because the sun was shining. It's quite kind of rare in where we are, anyway. And then just, it was like a golden era, golden time for me because I knew with these songs that we would get signed. I just knew, and we did. So, do you, was there a moment in that period like that you can remember? Where just like you were at your lowest, you're like, I don't know if this is gonna work. Can you? Yeah, remember? we did. Yeah, I think I think we definitely all got a bit dis- disillusioned because we we don't, we've been together since James was sixteen. I think he was twenty when we got signed, so it was four years there. There's some great times, obviously, but there's sometimes we're thinking, you know, it's just going to work. And I think James was thinking maybe I should try and do something different. But I, I think because we trusted each other and we loved each other, I think we stuck together and it and, and it felt right. You know, we were at, at the end of the day, no matter what challenges. At, at that point. And still to this point, we're a gang. You know, we always were a gang. We'd, we'd hang out together. We'd go to like the bars in Warrington together, or the nightclubs in Manchester or Warrington or whatever. And we'd, uh, we were a gang. And, we, and, we, and I think deep down, I think we all knew that, that we, it would happen. But there definitely was challenging times, yeah. And in those times, e- even at your lowest, you still, you all just had the confidence, the faith that it was just going to work out for some bizarre reason. <laughs> Yeah, because you're cocky, aren't you, at that age? You know, if, if, I think if, if I was my age now and I didn't have a job and we were trying to get signed, I'd be like, uh-oh, this may be the wrong move, you know. But when you're 23 and you're cocky and you look great, you feel great, you're like, yeah, this, we can do this. Well, obviously it worked out for you guys. Well, yeah, so on, the, yeah. on the opposite of that question, mm-hmm, yeah. was there a moment where you were like, wow, this this is the moment where like, something happened and it just set your life on a different course. Was it when you got signed or was there a specific show you played where you just, you saw the look on the audience's face and you just knew that this was going to work out? I think, I think what, what happened was we were doing a few shows in Manchester. Then we went to do one show in London and a guy from the enemy, I don't know if you remember this magazine, the enemy yeah, no, in England. So they wrote a review and we were unsigned at this point. And they wrote this really great review and we were like, wow, we're in the enemy the, 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 the week after or whatever, the month after. And we're oh, like, yes, boys, we've made it. Because you know, we, we thought, that's it. You know, a little bit in the enemy. The enemy was huge back then. He used to make or break bands in, in England. I don't know if it even exists anymore. But we were like, wow, this is amazing. And then we came back to Manchester. And we did a show in Manchester. And it, it was like called the Night and Day Cafe. And it was like a really cool, it's, it's still there now. It's a really cool venue. Like, uh, it only fits like 100 people in something. It's this like grotty little cool little club. Uh, in the centre of Manchester, and, and we played there, and, and, and we sold it out, and we were like, just by word of mouth, and we we kind of we knew then, we knew we, knew we were going to get signed then, and That's then yeah, I think I think we got signed literally a month after that, probably. Wow, that is crazy. But, yeah, and there was there was amazing because there was a bidding war for us uh, back when record companies used to have money to give to young bands, you know. That must have made you uh, feel amazing. Yeah, and we could, you know, I think we signed for, the publishing deal we signed for was for a million pounds. So we were like, whoa, told you, mum. Told you, mum. <laughs> told you, mum. Well, that must, did, you, did you feel when you first got I that? felt rich. <laughs> <laughs> because I had no money for all, you know, my life really, you know. My mum and dad were great with it and they, they give me what I needed and stuff. And by no means were we like poor, as in poor, but. Soon of all, soon all of a sudden we had money. You know, we didn't have anything to worry about. You know, it was great. That's amazing. I, I yeah. um, 
So do, when when that happened, did you feel like, all right, um, I'm I'm all in, like it's over now, like I, I quit my job? That's yeah, oh no, yeah, yeah, I, I'd quit my job anyway at that point because I think oh, I was fired from the job to be fair, but yeah, so that was it. I was I was all in, and then the management kind of just they were like, we got the management involved, and they they were just saying, yeah, it's just going to be a matter of time, and then that's it, you're you're on your way. Now make a great record, and that was kind of it. We did loads of gigs, and that first record was Love Is Here. Yeah. Yeah, and what? Where? Where was? The, what's the deal with that record? Where was that made? Who produced it? That was made in an amazing studio in Wales, in Monmouth, called Rockfield. It's still there now, actually. It's where Queen recorded uh, uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, amazing! So that room, that famous track, is recorded in the room that we did our debut out. And loads of the great records, Robert Plant worked there. Loads of bands, and I think Stone Roses, I think Oasis came through there, maybe, and blah blah blah. Every band at one point went, went. Anyway, we we hold up there for eight weeks, and a guy called Steve Osborne, who had done, uh, who had done at that point, New Order and things like that. Our A and R guy suggested him, and and it kind of worked out because well, it sold us a lot of records that. So, and then it went platinum, and then you guys parted your <laughs> face off. I'm sure. <laughs> that, we were we were like James was 20, 21 at the time. I was twenty four. We were members 23, 24. And we, were, we had money in the banks for the first time, all of us, our own money in the bank. And we were touring the world. And, it, it, you know, we that first album, we toured for two years, I think. You know, enough back to back. I don't think I came home in that first year for more than a week, a, a week more than three weeks in the whole year. Was that tough? Yeah. Your first to tour that long? I don't know if you were. No, you did- were you dating your wife, your current wife at that time? No, no, we knew, no, we, we knew each other. I've known, we've known each other for, for a long time, but we weren't actually dating then, so it was even better, you know what I mean? So you were single. <laughs> we were all single. We were all city and ready to mingle, yeah. It was a great, it's just an amazing time because before, the, the, the best thing about our band, and I know it's cheesy to say, but we all were great friends, you know, and, and, and we were going together We, you know, different parts of the play, 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 play the you're, obviously, you're used to LA, but the first time we went to LA, we were like, "Oh my god, this is just the best!" <laughs> you know, <laughs> where do you play? You know, in LA. Where do you play the first time? I think the first time he played would have been the Troubadour, maybe. Mm, great venue. And then, a lot of then we played. There. Then we played the Wilton, and the, then we played El Rey, but loads of places. Those are all great venues. Yeah. And, it was just amazing. It was just amazing. And um, we were there. We were there in LA for ages on the first bit because we did loads of promo and we'd be doing little shows. And, and it was just great. And, you know, in Warrington or Manchester, you know, Liverpool area, you don't get to, uh, on a Monday afternoon, sit by a pool and swig a few beers and smoke some fags and hang out with your friends and then go and play a show. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, you know, so sounds, it, it was... Sounds like a dream. It was everything. Especially, I tell you what, the first time we went to America, I know we didn't, we didn't like, as you say, crack America, but we, we, we toured America so much, but it just didn't, we just didn't have that radio song, I think, that connected, you know, uh, in the States, which is, which is unfortunate, but we toured there so many times, but the first time that we went there, it blew my mind, you know, when I went to New York, I was just like, because the English grow up on American TV shows, and it's in your, it's in your house every Friday and Saturday night, you know, America, these great American TV shows, and, and suddenly you're in, in New York, or you're in LA, and you're like, whoa, and you get in the suntan, you're young, and you're, in good shape and the girls are like oh you're from England you're like yes I am (laughs) (laughs) you know and wow it's great I had a great time (laughs) you're from England yes I am (laughs) I like that how how often did you use that line (laughs) 
every different bar I went to. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you all know, I'm from England. Yeah, and yes, and so is he. It was a great answer, God, man. It was like, we were single, we were young, and we were just having the best time of our lives, man. It was just phenomenal. Would you say, like, when you were doing that, you thought in your head, I've reached my dreams, like, I've done it? Yeah, but I wasn't satisfied then. You know, I I was like, I I, I was in the moment, but I also thought, I don't want this moment to end. And and it's not because, what's it, 20... Well, it's 20 years this year, is it? Or 20 years next year for the Love Is Air album. Wow. I've been doing it professionally for 20 years now. and 25 as a band, 24 as a band. So, you know, we we were always kind of motivated. Yeah, I talked about this with Danton Supple, who I know produced a record for you guys as well, as as well as my debut record. We'll talk about that in a second. But Danton had said, actually, he he mentioned Star Sailor, and he talked about, you know, the bands he produced, Star Sailor, Coldplay, the ones that really went on to do something, yeah. the common thread between all of them is just that they were willing to work hard. And I think as a musician, one of the things I've noticed is that people often look at my job or your job and they'll be like, oh, yeah. life's a party. So you just, you know, play yeah. music and, oh, get, and get hammered yeah. and, and, you know, talk to girls and it sounds great. And I think people yeah. miss that like, well, no, you're actually playing music and working on your craft for hours a day, just like anyone would be doing I've, any kind of job. Oh man, yeah, I, I, I've still, I still practice. A lot of my friends who like, who, who you know, I still keep in touch with a lot, a lot of my friends, you see, and we still drink in, in the same pub. And I, I they, they say, oh, what have you done today? If I've been off, like, like, what have you done today? Been messing about with your guitar? Like, they just seem to think I'm on some kind of gentleman's jolly, you know. But, uh, <laughs> a gentleman's jolly, I like that. Yeah, so, but, you know, you, I've been, I played for two and a half, three hours today going over modes and going over to some melodic minors and over, over G7 chords, you know what I mean, with flat nines and stuff like that. That's do what you, I've done today. Do you, do you, would you say like that's, a, that's a, a ritual for you? You spend hours every day practicing. Is there a particular time? Do you get up and, and you like just yeah. immediately get practicing? I get I get up and I do I, I've got into get fitness uh, really heavily into fitness so I get up really early seven o'clock do an hour fitness at breakfast and because I'm homeschooling the sun at the minute because there's lockdown so me and him do to about twelve o'clock then from about one till three or one till half three I'm on, I play the bass wow that's kind of my day I'm in lockdown anyway but I always practice I'm always practicing when he, when we're not in lockdown even on the road you know hopefully really? you and I will. Hopefully you and I get to tour together at some point. And then you'll see in the day. I always put, even if I'm on the road, I'll put an hour by it's that amazing. day to, to to play to practice. I think you just got to because that's what you that's what that's what we do. That's what we're paid to do, and it's a privilege to do it. But you've got to be good at it. You're preaching to the choir, actually. Yeah. Well, I know I know how hard you work because I've seen you work. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think I, as you mentioned, I I consider myself incredibly lucky to be able to make music I, I still every day i'm like whoa i can't believe that I, I don't even think that i've achieved the success i'd like to achieve and and even still i i wake up and i'm like whoa i can't believe i'm gonna spend this entire day making music. well that's crazy what, what's exciting what's exciting for you ben is you are on the start of your journey aren't you yeah, yeah for sure and and you've made this record which you know it's just a, it's a phenomenal debut record man it there's no <clears throat> there's no denying that so I hope the success comes your way, which you, you thoroughly deserve. Because I know as well, it's not just about looking right and having the right songs, but it's also, like you say, it's about the hard work. And the, you look at bands like Coldplay, Chris Martin is a workaholic. He, he, he works that band massively. You know what I mean? I, I, I think it was up to the other guys, like Will and uh, Guy. He's like, yeah, that'll do. But I think, you know, I think you have to have that motivation, that an obsessive drive, I think it is. I think if you it's could, in you... 
you came up with Coldplay, right? Like you guys were contemporaries. Yeah, they were a little bit before us. I think their debut album was a year before us, but we ended up becoming quite friendly with Coldplay because the we were doing the festivals at the same time as them. And they, when they were in America, we'd go to their shows or if they had a day off, they'd come to our shows and we used to hang out. They're cool people. They're really, the, I know a lot of people seem to give them a lot of abuse. But I don't get why, to be honest, because I think they're a great band and look what they've achieved, for God's sake. But uh, they're great people. They really are good people. Well, that's nice to hear. It's always encouraging. I think one of the things that's important to me, is, you know, if you if you are lucky enough to crack it in the way that Coldplay has, it's nice to hear that yeah. those people are nice and not. Oh, the cool man, yeah. Like, every, every one of it. I know. I know. I know. Chris is the. You know, he's kind of crazy and he's kind of skittish, but he's a decent chap. You know what I mean? And they all are. I can't say one bad word against any of them. To be fair, I like them all. I'd love to dig in a bit to my personal favorite Star Sailor record, which is Silence Is Easy. Like, okay. Love, especially because you know Danton Supple produced that record. He's also yeah. produced my debut album. I'm curious yeah. what that experience was like. I know Phil Spector was was a bit involved in that. I've heard some stories. Yeah, Silence Is Easy was, uh, as you call, sophomore record. So Love Is Here, we came off really phenomenal success off Love Is Here. The record company were like, wow, we, you know, you can do whatever you want. The second record, just make some hits again. We're like, so we started to feel the pressure a bit. Because on the first album, we'd already we already had the songs like Good Souls, uh, you know, Love Is Here and uh, Fever. We'd already had them songs, so we didn't feel pressure. But as soon as the success of the first one, they were like, right, we need, well, get back in the studio, we need some hits. And we didn't have a lot of material, if I'm honest. And that's when we started. And then the legendary Phil Spector, who did John Lennon and he did Let It Be, Beatles, and, you know, he put the strings on that. And, you know, he, he worked with some amazing, well, he's a legend and he Phil. What happened to him, obviously, is tragic and terrible. But So he approached us and we ended up working with him for the first month on Science is Easy. Yeah, that was a crazy time. And then, obviously, we, we, we had to get rid of Phil because it wasn't working out. And that's when Danton stepped up to the plate. And was Danton and, you know, working with you with... Because Phil, just to... Yeah. I, I'm not sure if people listening, but he, he was, like, convicted of murder or he went to jail for... Oh, he's in for murder, yeah, yeah. Jeez. So that was... And this happened during the making of this album. This happened, yeah. The weirdest thing, so what happened was we, we became friendly with Phil through his daughter, Nicole, who used to come to our shows. And long story short, Phil said, I'm going to produce your next record in, in England, in Abbey Road. And we were That's like, great. whoa. We were like, yes, okay. But we didn't really have any songs. So anyway, so Phil came over and we had the song Stances Easy, which we thought was good. We've got a couple of other bits. Anyway, we started working with Phil. It was going great. And Danton was the engineer. Danton was the first engineer on, on the session. That's when I first met Danton and... Uh, Anyway, the whole thing with Phil was getting weird and Phil, Phil was kind of breaking down a bit and the session was going really bad. It was costing thousands of pounds a day. I don't know what, you know, but it's, the, the record company started to say, listen, guys, you need to get rid of him. I think, no, actually, we decided to get rid of him. But the record company said, you need to start making a record because you're racking up a huge bill. That's when I said, I think we can record. I think Danton can produce this. He knows how we work. He knows how we're an hard worker. He's a hard worker. He's a great engineer. And that's what happened. So Danton ended up uh, producing the 90% of that record. Was that his Was that his first production credit? I've got to say that's got to be his first production, I think. Wow. Yeah. That, so you basically so after that, you know, he went sat on Danton the, on a crazy course. Well, after, yeah, of course. Yeah, he owes me a lot, actually. So I, I'll give him a call <laughs> and say, you know, that <laughs> you Coldplay album, that Coldplay album that sold 78 million, you know, uh, uh, I want, I want, you owe me some of that. But, but, I, I, I'm, yeah, so, you know, I'm going to so, mention that to Danton when I speak to him and say, you know, Stell, I was talking to Stell and you owe him your house because, you know, if not for him, <laughs> he, you'd be a broke loser. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but to be fair, I, again, it comes down to that work ethic. You know, Danton 
is where you know he was first in the studio, and even if you like, if you finished at two in the morning, he'd be first in the studio straight away. You know, and his work, Danton was always going to succeed because he's, he's such a, a great guy, as you know him, and also he's, in a, he's phenomenal what he does. And and after we worked on our record, he did the really big Coldplay album. Uh, I can't remember what it was called. X and the, Y. I think he did, it was called X and Y. Yeah, that's it. That's the one. Fix You. I mean, Speed of Sound. Great, great, great record. You know, and that was Danton. He, he ended up producing that record and done great. And, and, and credit to him because he's, he's phenomenal what he does. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, I loved yeah. Silence is Easy. Actually, when, when we were making our record, you, yep. Star Sailor played at um, the O2. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, in London, yeah. I can't remember the exact. I know that uh, Bush oh, Hill, Shepherd's Bush, Shepherd's Bush, Bush Shepherd's Bush yeah, Empire, yeah. Um, yeah. and you had invited me to the show, and you guys yeah. were doing like a ten-year, twenty-year anniversary of Silence Is Easy, something like yeah, that. Yeah, fifteen-year anniversary. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and yeah. and you had the strings on the stage, and you played the whole record. And yeah. since then, I've like that record's amazing for me because I get to have the live experience. Obviously, yeah. I know you and James personally, so that's yeah. that's lovely. Um, yeah. But yeah, what it, what an amazing record, man! I mean, I think that's a legendary for me. It's a legendary album. I listened to. I remember even when I was deciding to make my album with Danton. You know, I obviously yeah. put together a playlist of of all the productions he had made, and I remember hearing Four to the Floor, and I was like, all right, this guy knows how to make hits. Yeah, 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 and that was, the fossil floor was huge for us in in Europe and in uh, Australia. And we had number one, number one single in France for like six weeks or something mad. Amazing. So, so Danton, yeah, he really knew what he was doing, and and and, yeah. and obviously he got to work with him. He's got to see how hard it seems. This conversation coming back to work ethic, and I think Danton, you got to see how hard he does work. I, I definitely, I, I've noticed that even too as a as an onlooker, the people that I look at that I see as producers, engineers, songwriters, touring yeah. musicians that are famous, that people would know. Yeah. They work harder than anybody. Like I, people look at a guy like Ed Sheeran and I'm like, I know for a fact from oh, God, yeah. interactions with people in his circle that he's the hardest working guy that there is. Oh, of course he is, yeah. Yeah, you don't, yeah. You don't get there with being, being lazy or being, you know, oh, I'm not doing that, I can't be bothered doing that, you know. He, he, he puts the work in, man, 100%. Yeah. Well, so I want to ask a question, just shift gears for a minute. You obviously yeah. have a wife and children. Yeah. And well, actually not, she'll kill me for saying this, but we're actually, we've been together for, 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 for forever, but we're not actually married. So well, you would, have we a, 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 a life domestic partner who you spent yeah. your life with and have children with and a family. Yeah. And yeah. so for, for all intents and purposes, she's, she's essentially your, your lifelong yeah. partner. Yeah, um, we will marry one day. That must be, I'm curious to know how you balance that because obviously you tour a tremendous amount still with yeah. Star Sailor, with Spiritualized. Um, that, might, that must be a challenge as a creative. One of the things to do an incredible job to live this crazy life, there's also another person for most people that they have to share that with or have to figure yeah. out kids with. 100%. To know about that. Yeah, well, you know, because especially the last seven years, I've been with Spiritualized uh, who just – my favorite band in the world, you know, they, they, to, to, I shouldn't say this, but they, to play with the, the, these amazing musicians and just phenomenal people. But they tour a lot when they do an album cycle, they tour a lot in America, you know, quite a lot in America, a lot in Europe and Asia. So I'm away quite a lot. And, and last year was an example of that I was away with Star Sailor and I was away with Spiritualized. I was probably away for near enough 11 months of the 12, I think, last year. Wow. So, so from the, from the partner, Jill, and, and the kids, it's definitely a stress on them, you know. 
And Jill works as a, she's a graphic designer as well. So we've got three kids and she works and I'm away. It's tricky, you know, it really is. And how do you, what do you, do, is there something that you, is there a ritual you guys have or something you do to, you know, keep things afloat? If that's not too personal of a question for you to uh, But No, no, no. So I think what, what do you mean as in, as in the relationship or as well, in? Well, both. Uh, I, I, I think, um, you know, I, I imagine, you know, it's probably tough on your, on your kids and, and her, you know, I have a girl, yeah. I have a girlfriend when I go on tour, you know, yeah. almost every time I, I end up getting a great song because we have some moment where she just like has a really challenging time and um, yes. it becomes yeah. like a really emotional conversation that we end up having about like life and our situation. And I feel like most musicians have to be experiencing that because it's just such a strange life. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's why a lot of <clears throat> relationships with people in bands end up kind of failing really is because, you know, I think what I've got with Jill is complete trust, you know, and, and love. So I know I'm going to come back home. She's, the kids are going to be great. And, and technology helps now because you can Skype. So you can see each other. I can be in LA and I can bring them up and they're going to bed and I'm just getting up. But you can still, so it does help the Skype. But, yeah. you know, I think, I think you've got to have a really amazing woman who's in it with you. So now, Jill, if you're listening, um, you should give them a lot of credit for, for mentioning how amazing of a woman you are. Yeah, um, she should. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, that's great to hear, man. That's inspiring. Yeah. I think I think a lot of young musicians stuff we think about often. You know, we don't yeah. have the the decades of experience where we're looking forward at our journey and and seeing. Oh wow! Like I I have a, a woman that I love. Like I'd love to have a family with her, but that seems pretty dicey. So it's always really inspiring to hear you know of people who are you know mentors to to say that they've had a successful. You know, yeah, you can, marriage, uh, yeah, success I'll, as a, a father—that that means a lot to hear. So it's yeah. nice. And I and I tell you, what, in, in the lockdown, because I don't think I've ever spent in the last twenty years, I've never spent three months at home at, at one given time. So <clears throat> it's been amazing, and and I know how strong we are as a family because just in this lockdown, it's just been—I've had just such a—I know it's a terrible time what's going on, but I've had such a, an amazing family time. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I, well, I hope we, I get to come back to the UK when we get to, you know, get tour to meet together. Them. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to meet them. I also, you know, I, listen, I hope we, I hope uh, on my next record you can, you can put some bass parts down. That'd be amazing. Of course, man. You just, you just took me up. Yeah, I'd love to, to chat a bit about people say my debut album and, and meeting yeah. you. I remember you came into the studio, um, State of the Ark in Richmond. Again, as I said in the beginning of this podcast, um, I, I thought that you could easily, you know, shank me in the face. Um, you were playing a handsome rogue. He's, he's saying I'm a handsome rogue. I saw you. I saw you walk in. I immediately <laughs> drew wood. <laughs> but uh, but I, 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 on that session where where the, the people say session, I was on tour at that point with uh, spiritualized. I just came back from Germany, and then I had about three days where I could do it, and I was off on tour with Star Sailor. Do you remember? Yeah, I, w I felt really lucky because obviously I think you put down amazing bass parts on the album. So yeah. lucky me. Oh, thanks, thanks, man. But but I remember uh, I got the call from Danson because I keep in touch with Danson, but we're not we're not in touch every you know I probably speak to him once a year, maybe once every twice a year, whatever. And then he called me and said, "Listen, I'm, I'm, there's this guy. Uh, I'm getting a band together with Jup from Elbow, the drummer, who is a great drummer. Great. And he, he said, "I'd love to get you on bass." I said, right, okay, man, just um, cool. And uh, he's wrote some songs with Ed Harcourt, who I love. I've known Ed for a long time. I thought, this is like a great little band. So I said, send me some songs. And I remember I got the hold of the songs that I hadn't spoke to you at this point, but because I was away on tour. And I listened to them, and I just thought, wow. these And they were demos. And I thought, Jesus Christ, these are strong. They're really strong. This, there's no production in this yet. And I just knew this 
because I've been offered uh, to play bass on other albums and I've got and I've gone yeah I'll let this is, I always listen to it for and sometimes I've just gone I'm not going to name names but I've gone yeah man this is this isn't for me really I'm not putting my name to this but when I heard that I was just like I knew we were going to make a good record and, and we did we made a great record well I appreciate hearing that man I think you were a huge a huge part of it for sure and I remember sitting and breaking down the first day sitting in the live room me playing on the piano, you playing the songs and just, and just breaking them down. Um, yeah. I think one of the things as a musician that's like the most empowering is when I'm playing a song and you're like, oh, well, that's a great change. And it's like, oh, nice. Like another musician thinks this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it, well, yeah, it's, it's good to have, um, what, what's the word? It's good to have just, justification of what you're doing, you know what I mean? Because like, yeah, I don't know. It's, where, where, you know, when you play, so, so you want to impress, don't you? You want, to, you want it to be great, but you also kind of, there's a little element of like, I want to impress bees with this. I yeah, I, I was I was always um, well, I was really lucky to have an amazing rhythm section. I think the the record one of the things that was really important to me was making a record that felt amazing. You know, if that yeah, felt, that, yeah. felt that, that you know could feel like you know all the great records that came before it. You know, they're they're yeah, not on the yeah. click. They're just like the band just feels good. And I yeah, and and and. You know what? Did we do it in two days? I think I did it in a day and a half, maybe. So yeah, I, th I think we did your bass parts in like two days. Yeah. So and and but the songs, you know, that was with you were great in the studio because you were, you know, I could have played a lot more notes, you know, all that kind of thing. But you were like, listen, I just I want it like this, and I like in the studio to have someone who kind of because if you're off on your own, sometimes you can overplay. But so I've have someone in the studio who says, listen, man, what you're doing there is cool, but play this, try that. I'm like. I knew it was in a good creative zone with you and dancing uh, at the helm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think uh, I just take it from John Lennon, who just tell musicians to play as few notes as possible. Yeah, and it's not yeah, about it the works. one. It's even even yeah. like I'm a solo artist, so theoretically, like my piano or my guitar or my voice should be like the thing that people hear the most. Even yeah. those things, I'm I'm trying to fit into a, a band. So yeah, that, you know, where, yeah. where all the instruments can like come together to make something great rather than one instrument doing something amazing. But who cares yeah, yeah, I get about you. the song? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very grateful that you played and I'm, I'm grateful to be friends. Um, yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm, so, I'm, I'm honored you asked me, man. And, and I, I play this record. I know it's, it's a weird time at the minute, but trying to get this record out to as many people as possible. I play it to, you know, everyone I meet, I'm like, get on this. And, I, and no one's ever come back to me and said, no, nah, I don't like that. Everyone's come back and gone, oh, this sounds great, man. Who's this oh, guy? Hell, yeah. hell yeah! Well, I can't wait to to get out on tour, man. I, I hope I hope to do that soon, and uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but I'd like to ask a few more questions, and then we can, and then I'll, I'll let you go because I know you're a busy guy needing to play some bass and hang out with your kids. <laughs> yeah, I'm done for bass today. That, the, the, the only thing is, the kids are put them in bed, and that's it. I'm done. Just a couple quick last questions. No thought to it. Who is the biggest impact on your life and career? Doesn't need to be a musician per se, but you know, the first person that comes to your head. My dad. Wow. Go or ahead. the person I knew I would be successful when I met them. I knew I'd do all right anyway, but when I met James, I thought, this is where we need to go. So, so James and your dad, I like it. Yeah. What inspires you now? Jason from Spiritualized, I think he's phenomenal. I've been lucky now, I've done two records with him, and, you know, they're so well revered by musicians around the world. You know, like, it's, it's, it's just great, and he's, he's a crazy genius, but he's, 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 I love it, yeah. If you could change anything from your career, like all the stuff we discussed, if there's one thing you could change, would yeah, you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. The third album, I think we lost our vision where we were going. And I think maybe we'll, especially from my point of view, and I'd say the drummers, we were 
partying too much and just we didn't commit ourselves to what as much as we, we should have done a better record well didn't seem to harm you too much but i think uh nope. I, I mean I, you guys you guys sound great it's always interesting to hear how people view themselves versus what the yeah. you know the public thinks yeah. what about the future what do you see for yourself just to keep doing what i'm doing i think you know i will I, i've always said to jill jill's always said to me when when you think you'll hang up your your, your boots as they say in england and when i'm not healthy enough to tour i think because I, I i always love to play mm. be in be if i play in in impact out gigs or in arenas or in a bar in front of a hundred people or a thousand people i'm happy just to play that's inspiring that it's, it's inspiring to hear with all of your success that you know just playing in general even if it's for you know 25 people still excites oh you. yeah they're, and they're the they're the most nerve-wracking ones i think really? when you're playing <clears throat> yeah we, we've just i just did just before the lockdown we played like a, a four and a half five thousand capacity shows and it was like it's, it's easy you know i think it's like because you're you get in the zone. It's easy, but if you're if you're in a little like a bar and there's like hundred people there, it's much more intimidating, I think, than be, being on a big stage. And I think most artists will say that. Wow, that's an, that's an, that's interesting. I, I I don't have that experience at all, but you know, maybe maybe it'll change. Well, you get there, stadiums. Man. You get there. Great. I just the lockdown is just. I'm ready to get out playing as soon as this is over. Well, I, I hope I hope you get an opportunity to do this. Uh, I super appreciate you taking the time, man. It's it's inspiring, even for me. A lot of this stuff is new um, and inspiring. It's always a, a pleasure to chat and to connect because oh, you're, that's great to speak you to are you. the man, to dude. Listen, Ben, you're a top man yourself, so you keep safe out there. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, my friend. I'll catch you soon. Cheers, man. Bye-bye. You've just listened to the first episode of my podcast, People Say. Thanks for tuning in, and look out for more episodes soon. People talk. So